You're listening to the City World Radio Network. High-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world. www.cityworldradio.com Good evening, and welcome to Morph Mom Moments. What a fun night we have tonight, because I'm sitting with two of my favorite Morph Moms, and we are talking the very pertinent topic of risk. Now, risk applies to everything you do every single day, but especially in the world of a morphom, when you're trying to decide and figure out your next step, risk takes on a whole new meaning. When it's not just you anymore, when it's a family, you have to worry about it, when your decisions involve so many other people. Um, so it's just, it's a different perspective, but it's incredibly important and really affects other people than just yourself. So very quickly, for those of you joining us tonight, for those who are um, coming back, thanks for coming back. For those who are new to Morph Mom, very quickly, I'm Kathleen Smith. Started Morph Mom about eight years ago when I was in a situation where I could not figure out my next step. I'd been a prosecutor by trade, home with kids, time to go back, nothing to go back to. And what do you do? No confidence, no contacts. Who am I? Was I even good at what I did? (laughs) How am I going to be good at what I'm going to do? So I struggled and struggled and decided, wait a minute. Rather than reinventing the wheel, there are all these women out there all over the world who've done it. They went through this. They they figured out what was next. They took the steps. They also found out what steps didn't work. And these were women that understood how important it was to share with those who were in this position now. So traveled the country, got thousands of stories from women who had done that, willing to share it and wanted to help and connect. And Morph Mom was born. So we now, that at the time, it was traveling the country doing videos. Fast forward eight years now, we have an online club subscription where you have constant contact with others. We have monthly events. We have two conferences a year, two or three. This year we're going to do two. Um, thrilled to announce the next one is April 27th in Morristown, New Jersey at the Morse Museum. Um, we also have this radio show and a podcast and classes. And really anything you want, we'll make it happen. Um, go If you go to our website, morphmom.com, um, M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com, you can find out about all this fun stuff. But Let's get to why you guys are listening tonight, more importantly. And without further ado, I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to introduce my guest, Noelle Kirchner, who's a pastor, a writer, and a TV host, and Carrie Barrett, an Emmy Award-winning TV anchor, a keynote speaker, and an on-camera readiness coach. Welcome, 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 and I'm thrilled to have you both here. Well, we're excited to be here. Thank you for having us. It's such an honor, Kathleen. I love all the work that you're doing to empower and equip women, and it was a treat to have you on my show, Chaos to Come. Yes. I'm so glad we could continue the conversation. <laughs> That's where we all met. I know. So yes. How crazy is this? So, so Noelle was kind enough to have us on her show, on her television show, and it was so much fun talking about risk, but we didn't want the conversation. Well, I selfishly did not want the conversation to end, so clearly I had to get them on this radio show so we could talk, <laughs> talk more shop about all of this, to get your tips of advice and your words of wisdom and to help everyone out there trying to figure out what to do next, understanding the risk, accepting the risk, and overcoming the risk. So I think those are sort of three very scary thoughts, but doable. And I've learned in speaking with you guys that there are ways to do this and to get over it, and you both have done this. So let's start with, Carrie, actually, I'm going to ask you first, tell us a little bit about sort of your path and how, you know, what risk, what was the biggest risk that you took in taking your next step? Oh my gosh. I, you know what? I feel like we were talking this about this before the broadcast. I feel like my whole life has been a series of risk. 
So I spent 20 years, just to give you the backstory, as an as an on-air talent, if you will, on TV as a reporter, as an anchor, um, as a producer in the early years. And my career has taken me all over the country. I, I, I did that for 20 years. Shockingly, I am a person who was, prior to this, terrified of public speaking. I'm, I don't mean like I had a normal, rational fear of getting up in front of people and having my fly down. What I mean is I was the person in the back of the room who was like in a puddle of her own vomit and hyperventilating because I I hated the thought of getting up in front of people and talking. So to interrupt you for a second. Yes. Tell people why you are so terrified. Well, okay, so <laughs> it goes way back. It does go way back. I so here's the thing. This, this could be a long story. Um, <laughs> I started out as a pre-veterinary medicine major when I was in college, and I realized after two two years that chemistry and I were not ever going <laughs> to be friends. And that I needed to figure out what the heck I was going to do. So I, I actually took some time off school. My father was convinced I was never going to graduate. And I was kind of as well. And, you know, part and what Noelle is, is referencing, I think, is, is I was always an outgoing person until, until I had a bully, honestly, is where it stemmed. And I was younger. I, I was think like, it's so relatable. Actually, so many people yeah. have that. I mean, it's, yeah. It's terrifying to get up in front of people as it is. Yeah. I think we can all acknowledge the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. But when you have somebody targeting you, it can make it that much more difficult Absolutely. to do anything. No, you're one. And I feel like my bully, my, my bully, um, Jen was her name. And I don't, I don't remember her last name. And that's probably significant yeah. at this point because it's irrelevant um, in my current, in my current life. But up until not that long ago, Jen informed my interactions with everybody around me. She informed how I walked into a room and she informed them and she informed how I related to other people. And it was overcoming Jen, if you will, if you want to get down to the roots of this, that was kind of the, um, the impetus for becoming who I am now. And so, yeah, it was, I didn't have a support structure, I think, when I was younger in order to be able to figure out how to handle this. And, um, and so it was something I dealt with my whole life, but I dealt with improperly, probably. I didn't have the, I didn't have the ability to deal with it well. So when I decided that I was going to take a step back and I was going to, you know, step out of, um, out of this pre-veterinary medicine role that I was in or this, this, this goal that I had for myself, I decided that I was going to go into a communications degree. My my intention was never to be on TV or to be a public speaker because I had Jen sitting on my back. And I decided that I would get a TV um, internship at a local station. I was at Clemson University down in South Carolina. And I did it really because I got three credits and I wasn't sitting in a classroom and I thought it would be interesting. And then I loved it from day one. So that became... That became my my thing, if you will. I had to overcome this in order to be able to be successful at my career. And I would tell you, it wasn't something that happened immediately. It was something that came with practice. But here's the thing. I was forced to practice. I had to practice because every day I had to be on air. And that was where... That was where the risk came. I could have failed miserably. And by the way, I would have failed in front of a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Um, 
But I think that was, you know, somewhere I found inside of me, and I think this is the key, at least it was for me, it's great to have people surround you. It's great to have people supporting you. However, don't let not having that support hold you back. You alone have the ability within you to take that risk and make it happen. It's great to have people around you, like I said, but but if you don't, well, screw it. Yeah. Move on anyway. Well, there's somebody out there, right? Maybe not. provocative way to point to God. Like if you are alone on an island, I think that God can step in and help you. I mean, let me say this. From my faith perspective, fear does not have to be a period. Fear is a question mark. It is a precipice. You decide whether you want to walk forward into it or not. Fear can give you the wisdom to discern if that's a risk worth taking. And if it's inherent to who you are and what you love, as in Carrie's situation, I mean, Carrie, you've climbed the ladder as high as you can go. Um, Obviously, you're talented at it. um, And you have those skills. You know, I think that God can help you. Um, reach that level and to really self-actualize, I believe, who he created all of us to be. Mm-hmm. So is it almost that if you look at it that way, that fear, you're looking at it sort of in a positive way, that by accepting that fear, you're sort of accepting that challenge. So if I'm up for that challenge, I'm not walking alone. I've sort of accepted what's put in front of me and I'm, and I'm not going to take those steps alone. So here's the thing. I think In order to live a fulfilling life, we all have to encounter risk. And Carrie was wise when she said, listen, I've encountered risk my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, Our other option is to live only in our safe space. And quickly following that, I believe, will come depression, unfulfillment, and a lot of, um, you know, maybe addiction, a lot of unhealthy characteristics. We We were made to have life be an adventure. And so the question becomes, how do I take the right kind of adventure? How do I mine, like, wise steps? And I think that is where faith is the entry point, and that's something that I've thought a lot about. I think that um, risk is not um, random. I think it's calculated. I think a lot of prayer, a lot of discernment, um, an inventory of your own skills mm-hmm. and, and talents, what you enjoy needs to go into it. Um, but I think that it's also um, a willingness, a tenacity to say, you know what, I'm going to choose faith, not fear. Fear, like I said, does not have to be an endpoint in itself. And I, I think about it with respect to my own life. You know, when I, I never saw myself as a TV host. I, I definitely, I mean, it's, it's funny. We can both say you're very good because you interviewed both Carrie and I. Noelle? No, it was really good. You've all been on my show, but I never, I never saw myself as that. Um, I did have a background in the theater, but I really love to write. I love deep thinking. I love being, you know, alone with my computer and just kind of mulling over things, to be honest, especially um, the more children I've gotten. That's probably my safe haven. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I've been working. By the way, she's a brand new baby at home, too. I do. Um, and so, you know, I, I remember when the opportunity to do the TV show came to me, it literally fell in my lap like lightning, you know, and 
And I remember the first taping, actually Beth Breyer, we were talking about Beth Breyer. She was going to be on my show. She's someone who's um, familiar with the HTTV um, station. She's, yes, she's wonderful. By the way, that's Hometown TV in Summit, New Jersey. That's right. Thank you for the plug. And so I remember I was getting ready to shoot my first show, and I felt like I was going to (laughs) vomit. And and I was so terrified. And and I was telling my husband, I'm terrified. But I'm telling him over the phone, and he can't see me shaking. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? It's this time where I literally have two choices. Mm -hmm. I can literally run away hide myself like in the deepest, darkest corner of my closet, which is what I wanted to do in one Mm -hmm. sense, or I can show up. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to give it my best and I'm going to go for it. And, you know, if I don't choose that, it may not happen again. Right. right? So I remember so distinctly that choice, but I thought, you know what? This is like where the calculated risk comes in. I have a background in theater. I love talking. I enjoy being in front of people, thinking through things Mm -hmm. sometimes, right? I I had um, the opportunity. I had the material. I had the connections. So it's like, no, I'm going to do this. I made the decision. You know, Carrie, you've said many times failure is not an option, right? So I showed up. And, And Kathleen, when we've talked, you've said, listen, not everything works. Mm -hmm. I was prepared for the fact that it actually may not work. And I would be humiliated on public television. <laughs> and and I, I just decided, you know what? Okay. It's, it's okay. okay. It's okay. Because I also think if you have come into this with that perspective, and this is a lot of things we talk to, like a lot of morphons who are just terrified of, but what if? Yeah, but what if? Yeah, yeah what, if, what if you never try it? And what if it doesn't work? Well, guess what? Then you know it wasn't supposed to be that. So now guess what? There's another door open somewhere, and you've tried that spot. You know that's not the right spot. So you're actually ahead of the game. I think that is so wise. And I will tell you, um, so I've been writing a lot about life purpose, living your life purpose. I divide it into six steps. Um, Being willing to risk is one of those steps. I talk about it on my blog, my website, um, which is www.noelkirshner.com. Well done. Well laid. (laughs) But when I have thought about it, and when I really, um, you know, kind of parsed uh, living your purpose, living who God created you to be apart, mm-hmm. I think risk is the hottest topic of those six steps because I think we are all living it. And to be honest, I think we live in a risk-averse society. I do. And, and to prove that, another guest I've had on my show is Jessica Leahy. She's a New York Times bestselling author. She wrote The Gift of Failure that talks about how as parents – We try to shield our children from any kind of failure. And you know what? She's like, the stakes are lower when you're younger. Let your kid fail. Let them learn they have to bring their band instruments to school and they're going to get a mark if they don't, you know. Let them learn that if they forget their gym tennis shoes, they're going to have to run barefoot. Whatever it is, let them learn when the stakes are lower, (laughs) right? And and the reality is it's very hard. And I think it's hard for us as parents because – you know, our kids, you know, wear our hearts on their sleeve, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it's hard for us. You know, we see this in every nook and cranny of our culture. Um, risk is very hard. It's where it's at. I think, like I said, it makes you feel alive. Um, it's how we're designed, I believe, by our creator to live, but it is very hard. 
So, Carrie, when you took this, so what Noelle is describing, sort of the process of going through this, that first day when you're on air. So, so, but very ugly. But when it ended, <laughs> what was it? <laughs> Babe and ugly. But when you were done that first day, I drank a lot. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well clearly. <laughs> um, you know what? It's interesting. So. <laughs> I, I will never forget my very first day on air, and I had I had been told that I would just be in the newsroom for a week, kind of learning the systems and et cetera. And by the way, I had moved from the East Coast to a town by the name of Wichita Falls, Texas, which in the middle of winter, well, it's always flat, but it was brown and it was ugly, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And um, there's a big junkyard by the station when you step off the airplane and I remember getting off the airplane in the little regional airport and saying, this is not going to happen. I'm sorry. I feel sick to my stomach. Sure enough, it was not, you know, four months later that I made Wichita Falls my home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was told that I was going to be just learning the newsroom, but there was a blood drive at I don't the local like Red Cross or whatever, and so they're like, you know what? Why don't you go out and cover the cover the blood drive? And I'm like, well, I'm not supposed to do that today. I'm supposed <laughs> to be learning how the newsroom works. But okay, because you don't say no. And so I walked. <laughs> oh my gosh, I walked out to the parking lot, and it's interestingly enough, I had actually been to a blood drive type story as an intern when I was in grad school and I remembered the script that the reporter said. <laughs> and so I pretty much copied it and well, the parking lot's filling up, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, there's like two cars in the parking lot behind me. It's very clear that the parking lot is not filling up, but I didn't know what the heck else to say. Um, but, but I got through it nonetheless. Like I was able to sell it enough that, you know, I wasn't fired. Um, and I, I didn't, you know, do anything horrific on air and I got home and I thought, you know what, I, I might actually be able to do something with this. The thing was for me, it was just being forced to do it, Mm -hmm. being forced to overcome that fear of being, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how scared you are. Here's your deadline. You're going on air at 12.01 and 37 seconds. So you're on, and that's the end of the story. And I think I've kind of taken that philosophy and and used it throughout my life, meaning, okay, so I left the news business, Mm -hmm. which is a huge risk. It's a well-paying job, and people, you know, um, and it and and it's exciting and fun, and you meet all kinds of big personalities. And now I run my own business, which is anything but secure. And I'm new at it. I, you know, six months ago, I didn't know what a CRM was or a P and L or a, you know branding really meant. And but I had to learn it. And I think that kind of philosophy. It's like okay, you do or die. This is just how it is. You must progress and you must push through and it doesn't necessarily mean that every outcome is going to be exactly what you wanted but but every single outcome will teach you a lesson mm-hmm. you know and I realized too that I am lucky and that I have I have a husband at home who is willing to support me in this right and that may not be the case you know people may not have a, a, a partner or they may have expenses that make taking a risk more of a challenge 
Um, but nonetheless, I do think there is a lesson or a, a, a greater purpose. You know, when I was in the news, people would say to me, and my disillusionment with the news goes back quite some time. And people would say, well, how can you consider living in the news business? It's so exciting. And it's so, you meet these people and it's glamorous. And oh my gosh, somebody does your hair and makeup every day. How and, and I let that get into my head for a while. Like, yeah, why am I not happy here? And why, how could I possibly give up this job that, like, thousands of people may cut off their left arm for? But the fact of the matter was, is it just was not what I wanted it to be. And so that became a, okay, what am I going to do now? And what risk is next? I think I am lucky in the fact that because I had become comfortable with risk and comfortable with failure, <laughs> to some degree anyway, I was willing to take that. But having a supportive partner behind me is certainly a big, a big part of it. With that part of yeah. It. And I, I have one question for you. When you did take that leap, that first day in the parking lot at the blood drive. With all the cars. With all the cars. That weren't actually there. Listen, I've learned how to make two cars look like a whole lot of cars. Two people in a room. That's a really good yeah. shot. I can show two people in a room make that seem like the audience is both. That's right. Like, but did, did Jen come into play at any point that day? Jen comes into play today. She still? She does, to some degree. I, I have gotten over that for the most part. What I have learned is I fake it until I make it. But what I have also learned is that there is a certain nuance and, a, and I think a way to kind of introduce yourself to a group. We've all seen the person who is, overly confident and 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 what I mean by overly confident is not that they are really confident in themselves but I think that kind of arrogance is the weak man's version of strength and so I what I try to do is be aware of Jen acknowledge that she's there rather than suppress her because acknowledging her gives me a little bit of agency over the anxiety and the nerves that I feel and then just taking that next step. Listen, we all know what it takes to make a conversation yeah. happen. I mean, most of us do anyway in terms of, like, you ask people questions and you're interested in their life and you're interested in their story. And really, for me, journalism on TV, that's what it's all about. It's being interested in other people. And I am genuinely interested in other people. So I tried to keep that at the forefront rather than the fear and hope that that um, – you know, makes a compelling story or makes, you know, me less repugnant. I love that you have (laughs) surmounted something and then you're equipping other people in your business to do the same thing. I think that we're stronger when we hold each other's hands and you are clearly like turning around and trying to bring other people up. And another thing that I love about your story, Carrie, is you're really talking about persistence. You know, and that, again, going back to I I divide living life purpose up into six steps, persistence follows risk in the steps that I've written because I think it's not enough to be willing to take that leap. You have to live in the space of pushing, even when what you want isn't happening. Yes, there are lessons along the way. Yes, there can be failures. You have to keep showing up and keep trying. And I'm going to butcher this, but I think Thomas Edison said some kind of quote, like, I didn't fail a thousand times. I learned a thousand times how not to invent the light bulb. 
Yeah. Right? 100%. Yep. And so we all have to do this. And it is frustrating. And it is hard. And it can be isolating. You know, I mean, you're going to have to push through your worst fears. Like Carrie is talking about, Jen, there are going to be things, you know, risk is going to look different for everyone. Right? For, for, you know, we've been talking about TV on this radio show, but it's going to look different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is we're going to have to be persistent in it, no matter what it is. <clears throat> and failure itself has tools. But you know what? You also may not fail. And didn't you, when you were on my show, say that that can be equally scary for women? Yes. They can be afraid to succeed. Yeah. It's funny. We talked about this, that, and it was shocking doing all these interviews. One of the things I found sometimes was some women were actually terrified of the success because they were, you know, they they weren't ready to actually jump in. And if they did and succeeded, what did that mean? That was a whole different perspective or whole new view that they weren't quite ready for. Or if you do succeed, what do I then have to live up to? Right. And so that puts you in a whole right. All of a sudden, expectations change. So, there, you know, it's not just the beginning, but now I put myself somewhere. And how do I get better? So what if I, and what if I don't? We talked about the imposter syndrome. What yeah. was that? Yeah. Huge imposter syndrome. So and uh, I'm living it. But, you know, when you, right, when you go out there and you say, well, I'm going to do this. And you put it out there and you took the strength and the courage to say it out loud. And you can see in the reaction for people looking and going, no, you're not. That's not who you are. Who are you kidding? That's not what you do. So, for example, I'd been a lawyer. And I first, this is so embarrassing, my first try at a risk, which was a huge failure, was writing a children's, oh, no, it was terrible, children's book. It was horrific. Um, um, what is it? I can't remember. I so put it out of my mind. It was a failure. Like, I, I literally, I, it, was, it, was just, it was about a cat and a mouse and how they got to like each It was terrible. It was such a bad, my kids were like, please don't, no, no, no. Like, like we love you, but no, no, no. Like, it's really, really bad. It's like, oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. Oh, it was never left by home. <laughs> no, it fucked away somewhere, hidden in the archives. It was so bad. I think I did it. This is even worse. In like 24 hours. It's so bad. The whole thing is so bad. But I'm like, but I'm like, wait a minute. I can't go back to law, but look at this. I'm a writer. <laughs> oh my God. And I said it, and I never was going to like say this to anyone because even my kids, and they were kind, but they're like, uh, no. <laughs> no. Let's, you're great at other things. <laughs> let's, let's try something else. But we're so proud that you're ready to try something else. So I stupidly, (laughs) I told someone about it and this was the impossible. And and they're like, um, no, it's like, I'm sorry. No, it's like kind of harsh. You haven't even seen it yet. And they're like, no, you're not a writer. No, no. (laughs) Um, I I could be. And they're like, no, 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 that's it. And so dismissive. And by the way, they were right, but I'd never tell them that. But, that, that imposter syndrome when I was immediately, even if I had done something or wanted to try it, I was so, you know, who am I? So immediately I turned that on myself and say, who am I to think I could ever be that? No one else will ever believe it. And that I think is a real, and I've seen that in all, all these interviews is going in and, and hitting that roadblock when everyone else does not accept what you've decided to do. You have to get beyond that, but it's really hard when you're looking for the support and you're not getting it. Well, Go ahead. Well, I, it's funny because because um, I, I went to high school in New Jersey. I went to Mount Olive High School in Flanders. <laughs> 
Um, and I'm like, you're missing. Hold on. I, I need to narrate raising the roof. Um, and one of the comments I get from my high school, you know, um, classmates is, wow, I can't believe that you are a person on TV or you are a person who's teaching public speaking because that is the last thing. And they don't mean it. It's no, not that's cruel. Right. It's not, it's not a cruel comment, but it is a comment. This is not at all who you were in high school. Their perspective is, and I appreciate this. That's really cool. You are actually somebody who's overcome like all these preconceived notions about who you are and what you're going to be. You're, you're completely out of the box of what we expected. But, but it, there is that sense, not from them, but there's that sense within myself of, I am an imposter. Yeah. I, she yeah. is, you know, she is not the person who she says she is. You see me on TV every day or used to, but I am, I'm scared to be here. Um, it's just an interesting perspective to look at other people don't see you that way. They don't see me that way. They see me as, I think anyway, somebody who's broken out of that shell that she put herself in, somebody who's broken out of those walls that she built around herself. I see the walls. They see the person who's broken through. It's interesting because again, I feel like this is where faith can be helpful because, you know, if we truly believe, and I do, that we were created by a higher power, designed to live a purpose that might change over time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Morph Mom, that's what it's all about, right? Yeah, right. We, we can have different chapters, different um, chapters of our lives, different chapters of what we do, um, but there is a plan, and we can be confident within ourselves because sometimes, you know, other people can affirm what we're doing or even point out gifts and talents that we didn't even recognize in ourselves. But sometimes they can't see something that actually just hasn't taken flight yet. Mm -hmm. And we can't allow that to, you know, derail us. Right. Yes. Um, I loved when you were on the show, Kathleen, and you said, you know what, your inner circle may not affirm you, but you can get a different inner circle. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you could also be impacted by someone who says like a one-off comment, right. even at the supermarket, that could change the way you see yeah, everything. Right. And I think we can all raise our so, hands so. at this table that that has happened to us at, at one point or another, that there has been that like epiphany moment in the mm-hmm. area, you know, of our lives where we never would have expected it. And it, it changed things. Mm-hmm. It changed things. And I think it also, well, I think it, that leads to two things that first of all, you should always be open to that conversation because like we said before, it's not always your best friends. And many times it's not because they see you kind of in a box. They put you in that box. They know you for who you are and, you know, in that situation, they don't know what else is out there. And I think that's pretty exciting to find other people out there who can see you in different ways. But I think um, it's dangerous to just rely on those people that you know that closely. But I think, being open to any conversation for so many reasons is so important because you never know what's going to happen. But like you just said, that one word, that one glance, that one smile. But in turn, I think you have to be cognizant of yourself. So when you're speaking to people, it is so important to be encouraging and to, because that one frown or that one negative comment or that one, you know, someone did to me a sign and I roll like they, 
devastated me. They may not never even know they did it, but I think it's really important what you said in turn being cognizant to others who are maybe taking that next step because one little smile could change everything. It could give them that boost to overcome that fear to take that risk. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think where it all comes back to for me is a longing. You know, we know ourselves the best. And um, we can look to find the support that we need to take the next step wherever it may come. But we need to be, I think, responsible to that um, emptiness, to that hunger that's inside of us. That is the first indicator that something needs to change. Um, Right? Mm -hmm. And that's probably what you were feeling. Am I right? Mm -hmm. At the broadcasting station, there was an emptiness. Maybe something that fulfilled us before doesn't anymore. Or maybe we've been smiling and dialing and it really has never. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Never scratch that internal itch. And, And the thing is, only we can kind of mine our souls in that way and unpack exactly what that is. But that is our responsibility. Mm-hmm. Everything else flows from there. It's so true. I mean, I, I, my, my, I would say disillusionment with the broadcast industry goes back so far. But I kept on, you know, we had settled in Philadelphia. We had, we had bought a house. A lovely house and I had had my second child and we had my husband and I when I say we I mean my husband and I had talked about what's the next step are, are you going to get out of TV are you going to stay in TV and my inclination at that point was to get out and then New York came calling and we we hemmed and hawed for a long time are we going to take it you had talked about not being in TV we want to uproot everybody. My youngest was like a couple months old and we took it because, A, because we had that what if kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, what if you don't? You, may you always regret it. And I'm, I am glad I took it. I'm glad I took the position. It, I, it opened up a whole new world to me. But I think, too, at the same time, there was that, uh, what's the right word? I, I think... I, I knew at that point that TV was not a long-term thing for me. I, I didn't necessarily want to acknowledge it because I understood what it was. And despite despite having imposter syndrome, I think there was some part of me that recognized it wasn't terrible at it. And so it was easy and comfortable and it paid well. And so there we go. And it was after we moved up here that I realized, Wow, I just this is this is not for me. But it's it's trying to find that kind of where do you where do you jump off and where do you finally decide to push yourself and where do you you know where is it that you are finally going to make that leap? Is it because you know heck now I'm in my mid forties, which is something by the way I would have <laughs> never said while I was on TV. <laughs> um, don't ever ask a woman like or funny. <laughs> Three, and 
there's all these other lives in the mix. And my, you know, my husband doesn't depend on me for my salary, but for a good part of our marriage going on now, 19 years, I was the breadwinner. And there's all these elements that go into like, what am I kids? My daughter the other day said, mom, I really wish you'd go back to your, your TV job. It was much cooler than <laughs> right now. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Very Bye. helpful. Thank you. Thank you. She hasn't much. seen all of your oh. cool videos on your website oh, no. where you're like walking down yeah. the hall. Well, here's the thing, Noelle, I'm not playing with slime. Okay. <laughs> so they're not cool in her eyes. <laughs> Nor am I like unwrapping dolls or playing with blind bags. So if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't, Send me a DM and then we'll talk. <laughs> um, but it's 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 hard to know where that jumping off point is too. Like where where when is the time? It's kind of like um, you know. I always had before we had kids. I people always said to me that we're married and had children. There is no convenient time. There's no like if you try and arrange it around this or that or the other thing, you're never going to do it. Right, so, so true. So just do it. And sure enough, you know there you're. There's no convenient time to have kids, and I haven't slept in a decade, right. <laughs> and there's no cream that they make at Nordstrom or Neiman's that covers that up. <laughs> but you just have to eventually push yourself to take that, that step, you know? And, and well, would you say in, in, in your teaching, sort of the imperfect is the perfect time? There's, you can't wait for the perfect time. It's when it's imperfect, it's like you have to accept that. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I, you know what I think about? Like, if there is an opportunity that I'm discerning, I go back to a story from the Bible, and it is um, Jesus walking on the water, and there's a storm. All the disciples are on the boat, and they're terrified, and Peter sees Jesus, and he doesn't know who he is, and he's like, Jesus, if it's you, have me, call me, call me off the boat. So he's asking to walk on water, right? And Jesus calls him off the boat. And for a certain period of time, he's able to stand on the water until he begins to doubt and starts to sink. And then mm-hmm. Jesus comes over and saves him. But the, the moral I take from that story is, is Jesus calling you off the boat. Jesus called him into turbulent water. He called him into risk. You can be 100% sure if what you are doing is indeed God calling you in your heart that you are meant to take it. So our job is the preparation, just like any test. You know, my my kids, um, my fifth grader is always like studying for his science test and preparing, and I drill him at night, you know, before the big day. <laughs> and and I think about that. Well, that's life too, right? It's not just again an uncalculated random risk. It's a calculated risk. But how can we prepare? How can we, when we hear that call? Step off the boat and present our best self. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's incredible. So I want to back up a little bit, you know, with your story. Like, when did you become a pastor and how did you know, like, the calling? Or when did you know that clearly you made the right decision? <laughs> like, but it clearly was the right thing to do as we're sitting here mesmerized at what you're saying. But how did that come to be? Well, I will tell you, um, I've always had a relationship with God. You know, I grew up in the Midwest, and it was like a thing. Um, I remember praying with my grandmother. I remember having conversations with my parents, but I never saw myself as a pastor. You know, my mom was a deacon, and, and 
the perspective in my family was, you know, religion, you can always do it on the side. You know, my parents were training me to be a doctor or a lawyer because my dad was a doctor and my mom was a lawyer. And I tried both <laughs> routes. Really? I, and I was actually pre-med, signed, sealed, and delivered. I did the whole thing undergrad. I didn't stop. I did so everything. you and chemistry got along. <laughs> I actually love chemistry. <laughs> in multiple ways. <laughs> we cannot be friends. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and then I, I thought, oh my gosh, by the time I finished pre-med, I was just spent, like I was interested in it, but it wasn't a passion. So I went to go work at a medical law firm in New York city. Huh. Interesting. Because I felt like, you know, I love to speak. I love to write. I love the critical analysis of text. Maybe law is a better fit. That was the year of 9-11. And I still remember as people were falling from buildings, it was almost business as usual at the high-powered law firm where I was working. And I thought, this is an ethical, like, dead end. Like, I just cannot do this. And there, don't get me wrong, there are wonderful people who work in law. My mom, you know, is a criminal prosecutor and has done great work in her time. But I, I felt for me, like, you know, I'm seeing a faith crisis. And I was seeing people come into the law firm trying to explain it. You know, they brought consultants in, and they really couldn't offer hope. They empowered people to share their stories, but there was just this black cloud. And I thought, no, God has something that that can help, and and I want to be a helper. You know, doesn't Mr. Rogers say, like, look for the helpers, you know? I was living that. It was my first year out of the Midwest, my first year on my my own. I see that you weren't married yet. I wasn't married. How old were you at that point? Well, I was just out of college. So what was really young to have this realization, right? And so I applied to one seminary because I couldn't see myself going to, you know, my idea of a minister was that they were like in their 70s and they were so old and wise and, you know, they dressed in a clerical robe. None of this matched, (laughs) right? I was 20 something. I was young. I was excited. And I, I applied to one seminary and I got accepted. And the rest is history. I, I found a seminary. I went to Princeton Seminary where there were a lot of young uh, people like me. They actually had record people applying wow. the year of 9-11. Really? Um, and so it was, it was, um, you know, I, I didn't look back. So then once I was there, I then was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Did I still, you know, I'm at seminary, but hey, I still don't want to be a pastor. Like maybe I'm going to be a professor. Maybe I'm going to, you know, and it it took a small church in rural Pennsylvania to just love on me. And, and, <laughs> and I'm telling you, I at that point knew this is yeah. what I have to do. Um, I worked with the seniors of the church. I did, um, where were you? Um, you know, I was in New Hope, oh, Pennsylvania, which New is a Hope. fun area, yes. a Beautiful. fun area. Yes. And, um, I had a great mentor and I taught an adult education class and I preached and we had simulating conversations and I just thought, okay, this is what it's going to be. Now I need to write, rewrite in my head what this is going to look like. You want to talk about a risk. Yeah. Yeah. That was a huge risk. Um, because while I can say, you know, my parents, um, provided a great education for me, they didn't see this path Mm -hmm. for me. I didn't see this path for me. Like I, I could only listen to my heart and kind of take that dive. And, um, you know, the crazy thing as I'm, 
here on this radio show, as I think about my TV show, which I, you know, again, never pursued, it just kind of came to me. And now I, I, I write a faith and parenting blog, and I'm using ministry in all these creative ways um, that connect back yeah. to that story. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know what, the medicine was somewhat right, because I want to do healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the speaking and the critical analysis of text from the law thing was kind of right because yeah. I use that, you know, with my work in the Bible. And so it all has beautifully kind of come together. Um, I mean, it's messy sometimes, but <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean? Like, and this is what God does. Don't look in the closet. <laughs> yeah. Right. This is what God or Or in my kitchen sink. I can't. In fact, there's even if something. shut the door, it's all good. There's right. even something for me on the Today Show. Like, to this day, if you Google me, of me, like, talking about, like, messy pots and oh, pans in my kitchen. Yeah, um, you know, but, but I, I think that's what. God can do. God can take all these pieces that we mm-hmm. can't see how they fit yeah. and just lead with our heart. Yeah. And we just have to take the step. And then you only kind of in retrospect sometimes can look back and see, oh my gosh, I cannot believe how all of those things weaved together. Well, that, that's so true. So it's funny. The way Noelle and I met was we lived in two different towns and now we live about an hour apart, but our kids went to the same preschool. Mm-hmm. And so the director of the preschool um, said, no, oh, you're, you know, I, I was working at NBC at that point and said, oh my gosh, we have this woman who's a mom who also, she's like on the Today parenting team, and you should totally talk to her because you guys have similar interests. And oh, that's so funny. The school, so, uh, the school connected us, and so I, I can't remember how we finally contacted one another, whether Noelle reached out to me or I reached out to her or whatever, but, but I do feel there is a, there is some sort of, some sort of connection or, you know, every step that I've taken or that Noelle has taken mm-hmm. has put her in the spot that she, that, that she is in or that I am in. And there may be a million other ways that we could have gone. Like I question, huh, had I not married John, my husband, where would, where would I have been? Mm-hmm. Would I have, would have my, would my career have progressed this way? Would it have progressed this way, would I be here or would I be there? But I'm really happy with where I am now, and every step I've taken has brought me to this point. And I, I feel like, <clears throat> similar to what Noel was talking about, the way that we have come together, and now it's it's interesting as she progresses on her path and I progress on my path and our individual journeys, they have um, crossed. You know, we have we have met each other at different points along this path, and I feel like there is a a bigger picture. Or mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't. This sounds a little bit hokey when I say it out loud, but I feel like that. I feel like there's a meaning to we met in this random way, and now yeah. every time you know, oh yeah, you know what, Noel, I know Noel, yeah. you know, you know, it's like, you know Kathleen. Oh yeah, we know Kathleen. We're going to be doing the show together. There's all these kind of cross points that come as we meet new people and explore new stories and explore new adventures. There's all these kind of cross points or touch points that, that make it all seem or feel like there's a bigger purpose than just, you know, sitting at this table or having a conversation. Like there's a bigger meaning to Providential. It. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, and with two minutes left, which I can't believe it because we need to clearly do this again, but what a phenomenal way to 
And so that risk is so scary. But the thought of the connections you make along the way, and I think, Noel, you know, in looking a spiritual way, that there's confirmation of those risks. So your relationship with Noel and us meeting and, and that confirmation that you meet along the way. And if you just keep your eyes open, maybe all the time, again, it's not going to be your best friend. It's not going to be immediate. But along that path, if you keep your eyes open, you're going to see the confirmation that you need. Oh, God, with one minute left, you guys, tell us how everyone can reach out to you both. Noelle? Um, so you can go to my website, www.noelkirschner.com, and find everything there. Perfect. Okay. Carrie? So it's Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y, barrettconsulting.com. You can also email me at Carrie at carriebarrettconsulting.com. I can't thank you guys enough. Yeah. For, for, and for being so honest and open to everything that you experience. All very, very, very messy behind the scenes. <laughs> that's what you need to hear, right? If I'm taking that risk, I need that. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. The mess brings us all together, though, right? So thank God. But I really do. I appreciate you guys so much for being so honest and open and inspiring others that that risk is hard and it's messy and it's the lava lamp. But if you keep your eyes open and you walk that road, you're going to find the connections and you're going to find the signs that it was the right thing to do. I can't thank you guys enough for definitely doing this again. Um, everyone, thanks for joining us tonight, and we'll see you next week. Good night, everyone.